how many were here and and or watched the video on Facebook Live? Did you watch it on Facebook Live? Because 150 something people watched it Facebook Live last week. Were you here? No one did. No one watched it. Okay, that's all right. It's online. It's on. It's on the Facebook page. But I'm just curious because I'm just, you know, I'm wondering who's watching. If it's people that have that don't make it or if it's totally random people. I'm just curious. So if you didn't watch it, you didn't watch it. But I'm just going to kind of bounce off of what we did last week. Really had a profound encounter two Thursdays ago. And then by Tuesday, <laughs> I thought, did I have an encounter a week ago? That is just like, <laughs> really? Like, where am I? Is this hell or where am I? No, I'm just kidding. Come on. Come on. <laughs> But I had a profound experience with, with a messenger from heaven, and God brought an amazing directive and basically, you know, instruction saying, here, this is the way, walk in it, and I will show you the way. It was a Joshua moment, honestly, when the angel of the Lord showed up and spoke to Joshua and said, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. I've got every place where you step your foot, I'm going to bring, I'm going to show you the way, I'm going to show you the way which you need to go. But there was an explicit uh exclamation point on do not move from the awakening message or the revival message. He said, do not move from that. Don't move. You stay on point. You are married to my message. First he said, you're married to me. And I said, ah, wow, I don't know anything about marriage. 24 years later, I don't know anything about marriage because if you're married to the Lord, that's a sh that, that shook, you know, come on, that sh shook the core of of my being inside of me when he said something like that to me. And I believe that the Lord, how many would be encouraged by that? Well, just to tell you the truth, whenever something comes in like that, then the enemy tries to come on and bring stuff and then your flesh and all these other things. So by Tuesday, I said to my wife, it's hard to believe that an angel was in my bedroom four five days ago. And I say angel, and I mean physical angel, like heard footsteps, like, crazy scare me my hairs on every part of my body was standing straight up i mean i was like someone's in the room and it's not my wife and so the lord wants us to understand and so it made me reevaluate this thing made me reevaluate what is revival what's awakening what does all this mean and what is really the church called to and what is the true church called to because i feel like the Holy Spirit is calling us to a place where we just come into his presence, where we live in the presence, where we abide in the presence. And I'm just going to read a couple things because I, I looked on the internet. I'm, like, I'm looking on the internet. Now I'm asking the Lord, really, Lord, what is the definition of awakening? What is the definition of a spiritual awakening? Because you can get all kinds of weird New Age stuff from the internet. You're hearing me. You talk about spiritual things and awakening, and you get all kinds of funky stuff on there. But there was, some, there was a few things, and one was an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. Now, that's pretty generic, but I like that. So I, there was about 10, and I took three of them. So I'll just add them all together, okay? The next one was a community saturated with God. And I like that because if our community, if, our, if the body of Christ, if the church at large was just saturated with the presence of the Father what would it look like? If it wasn't just about 
programs and things that we do and, you know, things that we're doing mission-wise and all that, which is good. Come on, all those things are good. We have to have a mission. We have to have a, <laughs> a purpose. We have to have all those things down. But we want to be saturated with the presence of God, don't you? See, it's all about your life. It's all about one person's individual life, really. And if everyone caught it, if it was like a virus and your life was completely saturated with the Holy Spirit and presence, it would be amazing. And the other one was the, the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring people to God and to a more vital spiritual life. Witness and work by prayer and the word after repentance in crisis for their spiritual decline. <laughs> kind of academic, but true. The whole church is in kind of a spiritual alarm, I think, right now. Personally, you know, there's pockets. We've got revival in pockets. We've got God moving on people in pockets. We've got houses of prayer. We've got God doing a lot of things. We, we, we see a lot of fruit right? But I'm, my heart is to just continue to ignite and to push forward and to, come on, bulwark. Come on, we're going to bull. We're going to push. We're going to push till we have breakthrough, until we see things that all of a sudden change and move. Come on, there has to be a shift. If there's a spiritual increase in your life, there's a, there has to be a shift. And I'm telling you right now, God is about shifting your life. He's about bringing you into a life in fullness and, and life with God. And so I just want you to look at Acts chapter 12 with me. I'm going to have my wife read the entire chapter. Because I was asked, right, I talked to you guys. I'm going to hit on angelic encounters. You know how many times angel came up in the Bible? 280 times. That's just angel. That's not angels or angel of the Lord or that's just angels. And so again, I'm not getting weird. We're not worshiping angels. I have to always do that because the church gets like, mm -hmm. we're talking about Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus is Lord. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to bring, if we don't have heaven's help, we have nothing. And if it's not Jesus, I'll take an angel. I'll take 10. I'll take 20. Come on, put them all in the room. Fill the room. Bring, us, bring, me, go, you know, bring me gold. Give me clouds. I, I'll take it all. But it's going to glorify the Father. I'm going to tell you some stories too. Okay, so. So Acts chapter 12. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to afflict and oppress and torment some who belonged to the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded further and arrested Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread, the Passover week. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him, purposing after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church. The very night before Herod was about to bring him forth, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, fastened with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. 
And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared standing beside him, and a light shone in the place where he was. And the angel gently smote Peter on the side and awakened him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said to him, Tighten your belt, bind on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your outer garment around you and follow me. Peter went out, following him, and he was not conscious that what was apparently being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed through the first guard and the second, they came to the iron gate which leads into the city. Of its own accord, the gate swung open, and they went out, passed on through one street, and at once the angel left him. Peter came to himself and said, Now I really know, and I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting to do to me. When he at a glance became aware of this, comprehending all the elements of the case, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where a large number were assembled together and were praying. And when he knocked at the gate of the porch, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she failed to open the gate, but ran in and told the people that Peter was standing before the porch gate. They said to her, are you crazy? But she persistently and strongly and confidently affirmed that it was the truth. They said, it is his angel. But meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the gate and saw him, they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to keep quiet and listen, he related to them how the Lord had delivered him out of the prison. And he said, report all this to James and to the brethren. Then he left and went to some other place. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And when Herod had looked for him and could not find him, he placed the guards on trial and commanded they should be led away to execution. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed on there. Now, Herod cherished bitter animosity and hostility for the people of Tyre and Sidon. And their deputies came to him in a united body and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was nourished and dependent on the king's country for food. On an anointed day, Herod arrayed himself in his royal robes, took his seat upon his throne and addressed an oration to them. And the assembled people shouted, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And at once an angel of the Lord smote him and cut him down because he did not give God the glory, the preeminence and kingly majesty that belonged to him as the supreme ruler. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God continued to grow and spread. And Barnabas and Saul came back from Jerusalem when they had completed their mission, bringing with them John, whose surname was Mark.
interesting story. It's kind of the catalyst of where, you know, the church had been increasing. I just want to talk about the context because context in Scripture helps us, right? I just want you to picture, see, what we don't understand and we don't understand in this country is when persecution came to the church, the early church, right, they beheaded. That's what it said, that James, they took his head. It took a sword. They didn't stab him with a sword. They cut his head off. Come on, this is, this is, this is the real deal. I, I, ever read the Bible? Come on, I think we don't read the Bible like Sometimes when I read the Bible and then I read it again and then I ask the Lord to help me, help me to put myself in context of what's going on, God. And really the persecution against the church was intense. And what we don't understand is we're so blessed. I don't think we know how blessed we are. I've been in other countries where there's been persecution, where there's been in, in India and in different places where there's Muslim you know, oppression and different things. But I've never been in a situation like in Pakistan, like See, I'm the guy that would go. My wife probably wouldn't be helped. You know, we'd have to get a bigger life insurance policy probably or a life insurance policy. <laughs> Come on. But my point is I would go because I've, I know that greater in me, come on, Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory is the greatest power on the earth. And so if it's my time to be a martyr, I'll go. Come on, John. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, the Lord is wanting us to understand. Listen, when the head was taken off of, of James, guess who was next on the chopping block? It was Peter. Peter was next. And so they, they seized Peter, and Peter was like the man. Peter's like the head of the, of, of the dirty dozen. Come on. He's the head of the crew, and he was there at the day of Pentecost, and he did the first sermon, and he saw the, he saw the harvest, and they, he's seen the miracles, and he's the guy that's doing the stuff, and he's out in the streets, and he is, he is the head. Come on, you talk about ISIS. We want to cut the head of ISIS. We want to cut the head of, you know, Al-Qaeda. Come on. He was the head of the believers, of the way. He was the dude. And so he's next on the block, and literally he's at the cell block. Whatever number, I don't know. But I'm telling you, he had guards four times four. So he was well guarded. And I'm just telling you guys, listen, when I look at this, when I look at this, I see two things. I see that there's a religious spirit and there's a political spirit that wants to kill the move of God. And I'm telling you right now, it is rampant mostly in the church. You know, we don't have to, honestly, we don't have to worry about America and the government and all that stuff. Not yet, anyway. But I'm telling you, there's a, there's a political spirit that what, wants to please man and has an agenda that wants to knock the move of God down. Because we're trying to keep people happy. We don't want to get too weird. We don't want to get too strange. We don't want any too many supernatural things happening because people be flying out of the church. And my, my hope is it's the opposite that we'll find a remnant, that there'll be a people that will be really excited that God's on the move wherever he's on the move, go. You know, people are getting healed, saved, and delivered. There's angels. Come on, I heard a testimony. This is a crazy testimony about gold dust, right, coming down in services, right? And here's, right, here's the miracle. Well, what's, what's the purpose, brother? Why gold dust? You know, Why? And I'll tell you why. Because an addict, a full-blown heroin addict, got covered with gold dust, went back, ran out of the meeting because he wanted to go get high. He got back to his apartment. He's about to hit himself with a needle. 
just shut my stuff off. He looks down on his arm, and it's all gold. And the fear of the Lord hit him. And he ran back to the meeting and got radically saved and is a maniac for Jesus now. So I don't care what kind of theology we may have, but God wants to tear it up and throw it aside. Behold, I do a new thing. And I'm telling you guys, we have to have a mindset that the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to think in the old way. You know, there's, there's the word. The word never changes. Come on, God's on the move. But I'm telling you, if we're looking for the Lord to move in the way he did in the past, I don't care what your, I don't care what your perimeter, what, what you think it looks like. I'm telling you now, it may not look anything like that. It may, we may turn around and behold, what was old looks completely different than what's new. And this is the problem. Here we go. There's that religious spirit that was on the move, that was trying to chase Peter down, was trying to kill Peter and shut off the apostolic prophetic voice. And they said, we're locking this dude down. Herod said, you're, you're toast, you're mine, I'm, you're done. And then Peter, just minding his own, he listen, he's sleeping knowing he's going to die tomorrow. Now let me just, let's just stop there for a minute because that means that the peace of God that passes all understanding. And we hear Paul's testimony in jail. They begin to sing and worship. And, you know, come on, everything starts shaking. A whole lot of shaking goes on. And all of a sudden, the prison doors open. And everyone says, I didn't, uh, I didn't do anything. But this is where the apostolic church was then. This was the very beginning of where the, all of a sudden, massive breakthrough was about to take place and there was going to be exponential growth because we see Peter and John and all of a sudden they have Antioch and all of a sudden after this instant they have Antioch which is the base which is the hub for the apostolic movement where the apostles are now sending and they're moving all over the earth and this is right before that it just happens to be on the weekend of Passover where Jesus lost his life and now we have the church, and the church is, it said, what? said that they were praying fervently. And there's, come on, there's a principle right there. If we have a church that prays fervently, if we believe God, if, he just, if we just begin to pray and believe God, and it doesn't need to be a system, it doesn't need to be another, another box that we put God in, we just pray. We just live in the life of prayer and presence. And then God will begin to do some amazing things that we have not seen or heard before. But we see this, that it was fervent, persistent prayer was being made to God by the church. And they were believing God to get, get Peter out of his jam. <laughs> and so there's just a few points, just a couple things that I want to go through. First, is, first thing is supernatural awakening, awakening through heavenly messengers. And we just can all agree that if we have a heavenly messenger, we're going to wake up. I'm telling you, I'm praying that we have more. The angel struck Peter's side and awakened him. You know, come on now. And I'm telling you, if we just desire that thing, Psalm 103 says this. Here's about angels, right? This is just one of 280, so we got 279 to go. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom above over, rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength and who do his word, heeding his voice. Why do angels come? Why do they show up in my bedroom? Because they were told. 
Not because I did anything, not because you'll do anything, but they because they're told to go. They listen to the voice of the Lord. They obey the Lord. They don't obey themselves. They obey the Lord. And so we need to understand that they who excel in strength, who do his word, we want to be in what God's doing, don't we? And if he sends you a messenger, if he sends you a, a prophetic encounter, if he sends you whatever it is, however he speaks to you, it can be through scripture. If he gives you a word that burns, all of a sudden explodes in your heart. You've read the word. Sometimes it just lights up inside of you, inside your man, in your inner man. And that's something, that's a word from the Lord that just you want to, that ignites you to bring you into an awakening experience. It awakens your spirit. And I'm telling you, it's so easy if we do not honor, I said this last week, if we do not honor the presence of God, if we don't honor a move, a, an encounter, because honestly, most of the church, this is why, I'm doing this because most of the church will say, why? Well, I don't need that. I, I've got the word. I've got the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. That's good. How's that working? It's good. That's good. But I'm telling you, if, if, if heaven comes with a messenger and releases a word to you, this just told me that he's coming because Jesus sent him. <laughs> you got mail. You've got mail. Here it is. And everything inside your being, believe me when I tell you this, you want to climb out of your body if you can. Because your cells, they don't, they don't like the presence of God like you, your spirit might. Bless the Lord, all you hosts. Listen, how many angels do you think there are? That was a thought for me today. Hundreds, thousands, millions. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna bet you that it's better than the Earth population. <laughs> I'm just telling you. So we need to understand that He is coming with a messenger, with a message, something for you to receive, something for you to grab hold of, something tangible for the church to grab hold of. Something that's really going to light you up so that you move to the next place. Something that's really going to totally blow up all your theology and all the things you may have believed about God in the past and really bring a whole new paradigm to your thinking. Second thing is supernatural freedom and breakthrough. The command comes from the angelic, <laughs> from the angel. I'll call it an angel of awakening. Came right to Peter. It's an angel of breakthrough. It's an angel of awakening. Came to Peter, says, go, get up quickly. And all his chains fell off. And here's the thing I need to say. He said, go quickly. And here's the problem. That's going to not be a problem anymore. Because we're not going to hesitate anymore. No hesitation. The Lord doesn't want us to hesitate. When God comes, when he visits, when he comes to your life, when he wants to do something absolutely supernatural, when he wants to do just even the simple thing, it could be simple obedience. There's no more hesitation. Come on, radical obedience. You must not be, you must be intrepid is the word for the day. That's your word for the day. You must be fearless, bold, daring, audacious, indomitable. 
Come on, you are not dominated by fear. You're a warrior. You've been made to do exploits in the earth. That's the job. That's your job. It's my job. It's what God's given you for a gift to bring the kingdom. And you don't have to strive for it. You don't have to work for it. Because God just wants to come and visit you. Do you know that? I'm telling you, what I, I told you guys last week, I'll just say for the, for, the, for the greater audience tonight, when I receive things, when I've had angelic encounters, it's been out of absolute either I don't care or complete frustration. It's not because I fasted for 40 days. It's not because I, I stayed and, and prayed in the house for 24-7. I gave three days. Not that those, I'm not throwing those things aside because we, we pray, we fast, we do our spiritual disciplines. Don't get me wrong. Don't quote me wrong, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? There's balance to this, but I'm telling you, it's not by works that any man should boast. That God wants to visit you just because. He just wants to visit you because. Because he loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to complete your mission. He wants to open up your book of destiny so you can read it, so you can grab hold of it, so you can run with it. All the chains fell off. And listen, I've watched this. I've watched this. When you hesitate, right? E even, even tonight, just don't hesitate. Sometimes you, we, we, we make, you know, I can have words of knowledge, like clear words of knowledge. I've had clear words of knowledge in meetings not here as well as other places. And I've watched people like, hmm, trying to get past your mind. Is that for me? I do have that condition. But, and then they'll come up after the meeting. And God will heal them anyway. But come on, where's the power? The power's in the, I used to get so frustrated because I'd hear this. I'd have, like, droves of people coming up after, like 5, 10. I, that word was for me. I, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to get up. I'm like, embarrassed? God wants to heal you. Amen. Seriously. And so the Lord just wants to use what we have, right? But he says, no hesitation. Don't hold back. I've watched it time and time again. But then, you know, I've been in places like the Philippines where you put a word of knowledge out and they just come running because there's high expectancy. There's no hesit. They're not hesitating. They're grabbing hold. When you, they're not looking for, oh, I still have a little bit of the back. I can almost hear. No, they're looking for the healing. They're not looking for what's left over for pain. It's a different mindset. And that's off on a kind of a rabbit trail. But the principle's true. If we just go for it, when God calls you to do something, go for it. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. So we just want to move when God's moving. When God says go, what did I say before? Delayed obedience is nothing more than what? Cloaked rebellion? Is that what I said? That's kind of heavy. We don't want to do it. No. Why? The Lord just wants to do this. 
The third thing, prepare for supernatural advancement. This is where I want to hit. The angel said to him, prepare yourself, strap on your sandals to get ready for whatever may happen. And so he did. <laughs> what, did what did he say? Prepare yourself. Look to your neighbor. Say, prepare yourself. Listen, you don't need to worry about those who are around you. As a pastor, as a leader, I start worrying about everyone else moving and advancing with me. The Lord said, no more. Don't worry about everyone moving and advancing with you. You do the best that you can do. You communicate the best you can. You bring the anointing. You, you release the things that I've given to you, and you, you leave the rest to me because the church is going to now start moving for themselves. We've been so... You know what I'm doing? It's the bottle. It's okay if you're a new Christian, but if what happens, I'm watching young people who come alive in Christ, and they're like, phew, gone. And I'm watching saints that have been around for a long time. They want the bottle. It's okay for a season. But God's trying to pull us into maturity. He's trying to pull you into the meat. He's trying to pull you into the deep things of God. Supernatural advancement means we go way further ahead. You gird yourself up. You prepare yourself. What did he say to Joshua? Prepare yourself. Prepare the camp. Because in three days we're crossing over. That's not much time. Come on, you got an army. Like, we're leaving in three days. Get ready. Like, clean all this stuff up. And that's what the Lord's saying to the church right now. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Because when I say move, you're going to move. You're going to go. He's already on the move, guys. He's already in motion. We don't want to be left behind. You need to be prepared for what the Spirit of God is about to do. Listen, for me, I can't worry about my kids. I'd be the best dad. I'd be the best spiritual advisor. I'd be the best man of God I can be in my house for my wife, for my family. And all you can do is pray and advance and move and move and move and move. You don't want to leave people behind. But I'm telling you, the Lord's saying, come on. Just get ready. Move ahead. Sometimes we get our eyes fixed on all kinds of things around us. We get our eyes fixed on all kinds of circumstances around us. Why we can't do things. Come on, I'm there. God, I can't. I've got A, B, C. God, I, it's not time. <laughs> I challenge you. I get to be an example, but I challenge you. I challenge you to really ask the Lord, what time is it? Where am I going, God? What time and season is it in my life right now? God wants to break through. He wants to bring angelic help. He wants to bring angelic help to do that. You don't need to do it on your own. Sometimes it's just a decision. Sometimes you're not going to have angels dragging you across the finish line. You understand what I'm saying? But God wants to bring angelic movement through encounter. And if it's just an encounter, or you're just encountering supernatural things just to say you did, then what's the value of it? 
you got to have fruit. There's got to be fruit from it. And so again, you know, the, the David, David, when he was going up to the garrison of the Philistines, said what? The Lord told him, wait until there's movement. And then he said, advance quickly. When you see the trees moving, when you see movement in heaven, you need to move. God wants to bring us forward. He doesn't want us to sit and wait. And then the last thing is follow and walk in the mantle that the Lord has given you. He told Peter, he said, pick up your cloak. <laughs> he didn't say pick up the guard's cloak or Paul's cloak or anyone else's cloak. He wasn't wearing the cloak of a beggar. He wasn't wearing the cloak of a king. He was wearing the cloak that was given to him. And that means you need to be good with who God created you to be. You don't need to be anyone else. You just need to be who God created you to be. But you also have to be willing to embrace and put on the mantle that God's given to you. Are you hearing me? God wants to put something strong on your life. You actually already have it. It's just a matter of walking in it. Because he says, put on your cloak, put on your mantle, and follow me. Put on your mantle and follow me. Put on your mantle and follow me. And so knowing your identity in the Lord is one thing, right? Because we've had a, whole, a long streak of identity. Got to know who you are. Got to know your life in Christ. Well, God's going to put things on your life. He's given you gifts, talents, and anointings that are yours, that were created for you, that you were born with. Some of them were natural. Some of them have to be developed. But he's asking us to go into this place where we move in the mantle that he's given to us so that we can move into the place that he's called us to so that we can advance and flow in what he's called us to. And some of you are already doing that. And I just want you to look at what happens. He did, he did all these things. And it says this. The scriptures tell us that he followed, he followed the angel, right? He didn't realize what was being done by the angel, right? He didn't even realize it was a real situation. He thought it was a vision. Believe me, I can relate. If, you've ever, if, it's, if it's ever come to you, you can relate. Because when God comes, you wonder two days later, what, did that really happen? No, really, if you, if it's, it's, it's kind of scary. Because you like, you're like in this place where you know you've seen heaven. You know heaven came and communicated something to you. And then all things are happening and realizing did I really, was that, did that really happen? Like you question. And the Lord wants us to understand. All of a sudden he passed the first and second guard. And then they came on the iron gate to lead out of the city. It led into the city. And of its own accord it swung open. So I'm telling you, it's my thought that there weren't just one angel. It wasn't just one angel that was there. There was many angels there. And the hand of the Lord was opening doors and opening gates and keeping God's eyes shut and doing all the things and cloaking things. So I'm saying to you guys, the reality of the angelic presence in this one chapter that we have as chapter 12 is off the charts. You, I could preach four more sermons out of this, four more messages just on this chapter easily. When Peter, it says, 
Then all of a sudden, he was along the street, and the angel left him. And when Peter came to his senses, this is the problem. We come back to our natural senses. We come out of the spirit and go back into the natural, and we start questioning everything God has done. Are you hearing me? That's important. God wants us to understand that when the supernatural comes, do not go back into the flesh. Do not go back into looking at things through natural eyes because you'll miss it and you'll absolutely kibosh things that have already happened by the Spirit. Come on, we don't want to disdain things that happen in truth and in life in the, in the Spirit, right? And so now it says, it came to pass, it came to his senses, and he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people who are ex- and what they were expecting to do to me. And so here it was, Holy Spirit moving. Moved him right out of the place. And I go back to Isaiah 43, and I'll end in a minute. I don't even know how long I've been speaking. But Isaiah 43 says this, do not remember the form of things. It's kind of like Isaiah 42 that I already spoke. Isaiah, in like, six, in like four consecutive chapters, says this. He reiterates this. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the old things. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Shall you not perceive it, one says. We need to perceive to receive what God is about to have for you. You need to perceive it. You need to be able to grab hold of it. And it's not going to be by your natural mind. It's going to be by the spiritual mind and knowing things by the spirit. And so we need to really pray into that. I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Come on, he changes the landscape. When we believe what God's going to do, he's not doing the old thing. It's not Brownsville, Lakeland, Whatever. It's none of that. And that's just a pocket. Listen, we're looking for something bigger than a move for a couple years. I'm telling you, we're looking, listen, I'm just going to prophesy to the atmosphere that, listen, angelic activity will begin to happen. That the saints will begin to have encounters will begin to see glory, will begin to move in things that they've never moved in before, will begin to believe like they've never believed, begin to see miracles move. There's something that has to happen. It has to shift in the spirit. And it can't just be a little trickle with a, or outpouring. I don't want an outpouring. Please help us, Jesus. I love outpourings. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I love it. We want the water of the Spirit. We want it. I won't, come on, we won't disdain those things. But what are we looking for? We're looking for something of of greater tangibility, an awakening that awakens a a region, a nation, the world. And we're sitting here with 40 people tonight. But that's okay. Because this was the deal. If the 12, when he spent time with the 12, they went and changed the earth. And so when Jesus comes and he encounter, you encounter him like Paul did, right? Paul spent three years, was it? It was three years in the desert. Guess what? Jesus had already gone. That was a supernatural encounter with the Lord for three years. I want to go to that seminary. 
Seriously. Lord, take me away for three years and I'll come back. <laughs> like a lion, come on. You won't be able to shut it off. I don't think we can shut it off now. But the Lord is calling the, calling the church to something way greater. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to believe that God's going to drop something. It's going to be a change from the old. From the old. You don't look at the old anymore. You look at the new. You look at the, the fresh new that God's about to bring. He says, I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And the beasts of the fields will honor me. The jackals will honor the Lord. The ostriches will honor the Lord. Come on, those that hid their heads in the sand will honor the Lord. Because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to drink, to give drink to my people, my chosen. Just stand with me. Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you. We thank you for breakthrough, Father, tonight. We thank you for the ability to move into something fresh and new. Lord, we're asking for whatever you want to give, <laughs> but we want to sustain a great awakening. We want to sustain something, God. 